Today is the day the bracket gets set. Who's got to play their way in? Who's the overall number one seed? And what path will be set before the Texas Longhorns to get to the final four in Houston? Let's find out. It's the Selection Sunday Show on the Horn. Back with you one more hour to go as uh, we'll take you all the way to 7 o'clock. Hope you've sprung forward and moved your clocks forward. We have not done that in our studio, so it still says 5.09 when I look up there. It's 6.09 this morning. We'll have to change our our clocks here in the building, but uh, that's okay. It's 6 o'clock or just after, and we're talking Texas and March Madness. The bracket is set, and I'll say this. As much as I was uh, not in agreement with the NCAA committee that A&M is a 7 seed, I think that's too low for the Aggies the way they've played the last two months of the year. Uh, I do think of all the two seeds, I think Texas got a pretty good draw, guys. I think Texas, in the end, got a really nice draw if they can get through the Aggies and Colgate, right? And if they can get out of, you know, Colgate's the, the best three-point shooting team in the country. As you just informed me, Zay, they shoot 40% from three-point oh, land. Oh, man. Bunch of sons of coaches, good free-throw shooters, gritty. Gym rats, I'm sure, at Colgate. Uh, toothpaste that I choose. I'm a brand loyal guy. I do, I do Colgate some, sometimes, you know what I mean? But... Um, <laughs> But compare this, right? I mean, you've got Texas as a two-seed in the Houston region. I think if you were going to pick one of the one-seeds, nothing against the Cougars, I'd rather play Houston uh, as far as that goes. Uh, you know, if you're going to pick the ones, I would, I would have taken Houston. It's not a slight. It's just the one you got to pick one of the four. And then they're in the, the three-seed is Xavier, and the four-seed is Indiana. With Miami, Iowa State is the six, A&M the seven. Okay, that's pretty favorable. Consider that when you compare it to Alabama – who's essentially the number one overall seed in the tournament. The two-seed is Arizona. Really good team out of the Pac-12. Uh, Baylor's the three-seed. And Vanderbilt, or Virginia, is the four. I mean, that's that's pretty salty for Alabama. Uh, and then when you go to the Midwest, or excuse me, the West region, Kansas got sent west as the one seed out there. And UCLA is the two, Gonzaga is the three, and UConn is the four, with TCU as the six there. And then when you get to the East region, it's Purdue is the one with uh, Shaka Smart's Marquette team, Kansas State, and Tennessee. So I think as far as the top, when you consider the top 16 teams and you could be matched up with you know, any of those, I think Texas is pretty favorable when it all when it shakes down. Yeah, I agree, Eve. I'm looking at the West region right now. I think that's the toughest region for the whole tournament. I mean, Kansas at number one. We saw Texas beat the brakes off them yesterday, and we don't know what Kevin McCullough is going to be, like back spasms. That's the thing that can linger with you the whole entire tournament. And I thought this season when Kansas really started to peak is when – Bill Self took the ball out of Dewan Harris' hands a little bit and put it in Kevin McCullers' hands. You saw last night, Dewan Harris was terrible, and a lot of that was due to Texas ball pressure and their defense just turning it up, but not having a Kevin McCuller there, and then you see that 8-9 game, that's a great 8-9, Illinois versus Arkansas. Arkansas just got their five-star freshman Nick Smith back. He's supposed to be a big-time lottery-type pick, maybe the first point guard taken in this year's 2023 draft now that he's back for a uh, uh, muscle men's team along with Anthony Black they're a scary ball club and then Illinois who Texas saw earlier in the year at Madison Square Garden they still got guys that could put the ball in the hoop and Matthew Mayer and Taryn Shannon so whoever can't once Karens gets by Howard whoever wins that Arkansas Illinois game that won't be easy one bit then Gonzaga I could see them advance and make it the final four UCLA even though they don't have Clark anymore due to that Achilles injury. So, yeah, TCU, that West region is loaded. It is. You're, you just you hit it on the head. When the 8-9 matchup is Arkansas-Illinois, 
who have kind of underachieved this year, but they're really talented. Um, that tells you TCU. Gosh, I mean, they don't shoot the three well, but man, they are athletic as they get. They all get out. Uh, and Jamie Dixon, they're the six. And I should mention, uh, Patrick, when you're looking at the, uh, the the power of the brackets, we started the show talking about nobody wants to play Duke right now. Well, Purdue drew Duke as the five seed, which means Duke plays Oral Roberts in in the first you know round at the five twelve. They win. They win that. They're probably playing Rick Barnes in Tennessee. Yeah, that, that East bracket is a little weird because there's a lot of teams that kind of tailed off at the end of the year, like K-State's in that bracket, uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. So some teams that tailed off near the end of the season, but they have talent there, some injuries on there as well. But uh, that one is set up for Duke. If they want to make a run, you know, you just have to get past Zach Eady. And if you can go in there, Duke may be the team that can play against Purdue because they got some bigs well, in there as well. And think about the East, Zay. Duke, Kentucky, and Michigan State. So you got <laughs> a shock, huh? Yeah. I mean, Purdue's the one with Shaka Smart, the two, K State, three, Tennessee, four. But then the five is Duke with uh, John Shire, who's done a great job, you know, Coach Calipari, and Kentucky at six, and Tom Izzo. It's a seven C. Yeah, some pretty legendary coaches that you just named. But you look at Mark uh, Shaka Smart's team and Marquette. They've been amazing this year. Hell of a job that Shaka did. We know he left a bad taste in all of our mouths losing the Abilene Christian a couple of years ago as that three seed with that team with Matt Coleman and Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, Jericho Sims, Kai Jones, Greg Brown. So many really good players. Ain't no way you should lose that first round game. But now Shaka, he might have the best backcourt in the nation in Cam. Jones and Tyler Kolick. Both of those guys are lefties. Tyler Kolick, people compare him to Steve Nash. He had a hell of a Big East tournament at the Garden, and them sitting at number two, I think I, I could see a lot of teams picking them to make it out of that South region and beating Purdue if that matchup comes in the Elite Eight. Yeah, Purdue was up big on Penn State today in the Big Ten Championship game and had to hold on by the uh, hair of their chinny-chin-chin to win the Big Ten Championship. Zach Eady, I mean, they got the the big dude down low, but they don't have a lot around that. And Matt Painter has not been a great tournament coach when it comes down to it. Uh, versus some of the other the other coaches you just mentioned. Yeah, they shouldn't have lost to St. Peter's, the Peacocks last year. That <laughs> yeah. was a joke. I yeah. know. They barely beat Texas, which Texas had them if uh, Jaden Ivey, the current Detroit Pistons, didn't hit a crazy three-point step that back. That dude was on a Courtney baller, Ray. though, now. He was so good. He's still really good. He might be uh, one of the top first-team all-rookies, second-team all-rookies this season. But, yeah, Zach Eady with Purdue, if you pressure those guards and they aren't making shots and you could double-team Zach Eady and get to him quick – before he makes that jump hook, Purdue, they could get got. Well, and Patrick, before we go to our special guest, Jeff Howe, who's down at the Moody Center, let's finish up that conversation. We've talked all year, and we live in the Big 12 country, at least for now, but the, the commentary has been when, when these Big 12 teams get out of the Big 12, the rigors of the night-to-night Big 12 that they're going to make. Hey, do you think uh, the Big 12 has a draw? I mean, Baylor's a three-seed in the Alabama side. Uh, Kansas is a one, Texas is a two, K-State's a three. You think we could have multiple Big 12 teams in the Final Four potentially, which, of course, is down in Houston. Yeah, I mean, if you want to say Kansas and Texas, that's that's an easy two you can put in there. Sure. That they both have a, a path to get there. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, Baylor, I don't know if they have – I don't know if they've got it this year to get all the way there. That's a pretty hard bracket to get into. It seemed into. like a weird, weird, weird year for them for uh, the freshman that's kind of hit a freshman wall. Yeah. And um, but Scott Scott Drew, you know, yeah, and K State's tailed, tailed off at the end of the year. But again, that bracket is open in the East, uh, especially. I mean, if you're able to get through Marquette on that side of the bracket, you can beat Purdue. You could beat Duke. 
uh, we know Tang is a really good coach as well. All right, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. He was at the uh, Moody Center, is currently at the Moody Center, or just leaving. Texas was announced as the two seed in the Midwest region. Houston is the one, and I'm sure it's not lost on the Longhorn team and Rodney Terry that Texas A&M would be the second-round opponent if they can beat Colgate on th- Thursday in Des Moines. He is our man Jeff Howe from Light the Tower every day, 10 to noon here with Craig Way here on the Horn. Also, Horns 24-7 and the Longhorn Blitz podcast covering the Longhorns like no other. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually leaving the Moody Center. You boys ever tried to book a last-minute flight to Des Moines? No. <laughs> I tried doing that on a Sunday. See if that's not a big ass. How's that going? <laughs> I got it done. That's that's the important thing. The the process is You flying out of uh, flying into, into Chicago or what? I think I'm going to Chicago and then uh, Battle Creek, Michigan by way of Newark. So, But, yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> You're going to get there for Thursday's game, and hopefully you stay till Saturday to see the Longhorns and the Aggies. What was the uh, scene? What was the mood? Obviously the team excited about cutting down the nets in Kansas City and then you know, being as announced as the two-seed in the Midwest, essentially the fifth seed overall in this tournament, it appears. Pretty business-like. I mean, the players, it wasn't, you know, nobody was jumping up and down going crazy. It was kind of like, all right, yeah, we're at two. Let's go to work. Uh, there were some friends and family that when they figured out, you know, A&M and Penn State with 7-10, there were kind of some moves and odds. But, you know, I, I think the, the if there's a benefit to what this team has been through, and I've said this all along, Zay, you and I've talked about it, but the fact that really have to, to keep this thing together, they've had to take it, hey, take it day by a 40-minute game by one 40-minute game. And that's how you need to approach it in March. And I'm telling you, everybody's going to be talking about the A&M game and the potential for that to happen, but the two things, A&M's got hit by a good Penn State team. And you start looking at those Big Ten standings, uh, there's some really good Big Ten teams that finished like eighth, ninth, tenth in that league. And, you know, you took, talk about Texas. I'm not saying Texas is prime for an upset, but it's not like just show up, roll the ball out, you're going to beat Colgate. Colgate's about as formidable of a 15 seed as you're going to find. I mean, you start looking at the metrics, that's pretty much a top 100 team in the country right at it. So, uh, it's gonna. It should be a really fun two games in Des Moines. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But yeah, I, I, if it's Texas, they're not gonna overlook Colgate. It's it's gonna. They're gonna. And I also have to tell you about that. They're gonna follow the same process they've followed since you know, December twelfth against. Her. And you know, look at what's right in front of you. Live where your feet are. I know that sounds cliche, but that's really how this team's gotten to where they are. I think you're right about that, and uh, obviously we played earlier the sound of Brock Cunningham after the game yesterday saying, Look, I was on a team that won this tournament, and then we lost to Abilene Christian uh, a couple days later, and obviously that would be uh, not optimal for the Longhorns right now, so he certainly is going to remind them that, that, that they got to take the Colgate group seriously uh, before they start thinking about Texas A&M. Uh, uh, what was your take on uh, the, the Longhorns this weekend with the three-guard lineup and Timmy Allen out? We've talked a lot about it, that it, feel, it felt like the, the floor spacing was better. Dylan Dylan DeSue played great. Even Dylan Mitchell played really well uh, on the front line. It just felt like that was a lineup that is very formidable, and maybe bring Timmy Allen off the bench to, 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 to take Dylan, Dylan Mitchell out. Uh, what do you think uh, Rodney Terry's thinking in that spot? You, you know what's funny about their lineups? They, I don't. Oh no! Well, you know if you're gonna, if you're going to give Arterio Morris if you're going to give Arterio Morris minutes, sometimes you just got to live with the one or two dumb things to do to get the upside. But he didn't do those one or two dumb things over the last three games that he typically does. You got really good quality minutes. I like the fact that they were able to play. 
Hey, let's uh, let's call Jeff back and see if we can get a better. Hold on, Patrick. Let's call Jeff right back and see if we can get a better signal because you're breaking out uh, every every couple seconds here, Jeff. So we're going to call you right back see if we get a better signal. But uh, pick that up, uh, Zay, because I, what Jeff was saying was that Arterio Morris is a freshman. You know, he does some highlight reel stuff, but then he'll do some things that'll make a coach, you know, hair go gray. Uh, but maybe here at the end of the season, you're seeing Arterio Morris get through all that and uh, played some of his best basketball uh, just this past weekend. Yeah, he's slowly starting to come into his own, and it starts on the defensive end. His defense has been amazing. His help defense, he has great hands. When he's playing help side defense, he's able to get his hands in there and get different steals, and which starts breaks on the offensive end. He's great at that, and we saw with that alley-oop pass by Serge Ibari Rice. He can run, and he can jump, and he can do different things. He's just a different athlete compared to those other three guards, Rice, Carr, and Hunter. He just That's why he was a McDonald's All-American. And his role, fellas, it's different because being a freshman and coming off the bench and having those three guards ahead of you, you know your minutes are limited. So you want to do so much, and sometimes you try to do too much. Yeah. You try to do too much to show that, okay, I deserve to be on here, so I have to hit a big-time three. I have to make a big-time move just so I could stay on the court instead of letting the game come to you, which that's what he's battled with all season long. But these last three games, he looked great, and if you could throw him minutes and play it the way he plays with this nine-man rotation, sky's the limit. Am I wrong to think that Arterio Morris, big picture, can be like a elite defensive player? I mean, he had no. two steals. I mean, this guy's athleticism and arms and and the guard position. I mean, he could be, if he buys in to play in the defensive end, that guy is scary good. Has, has a feel for it that is, you cannot teach the feel he has for the game. Yeah. 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 I mean, and obviously you just said he's a super plus athlete and plays above the rim when he needs to and the shot is pure. I mean, he's a really, really, he's a building block player for the Longhorns and you wonder how long he's going to hang around here. 16 minutes, scored eight points in the win over Kansas. Obviously, Dylan DeSue was the tournament's most outstanding. Who would have put money on that to start the tournament? Dylan DeSue would be the Big 12 tournament's most outstanding player. 18 points and uh, uh, you know really led the Longhorns down to seven and nine from the floor. He's playing with a ton of confidence right now. 18 points in 21 minutes. Yo, against the Jayhawks, he shoots that floater from the free throw yeah. line. Like that's a really tough, skilled shot. And he'll be on that pick and roll, and instead of rolling all to the all the way to the rim, he'll kind of stop around that mark and he'll shoot that push shot. Yeah, and it's been money. And if they can continue to do that, because if you're a big and if you're Marcus Carr or Serge Barry Rice, Tyrese Hunter, and you're turning that corner, getting to the lane, and he stops a little short instead of crashing to the lane like most bigs do to shoot that floater, the big's already there to help stop the guards. So it's hard to help stop the guards, and they kick it out for that little floater and then get out there, and he's has open shots all day long. It's beautiful basketball, and I love the way Dylan DeSue's been playing, especially as of late. Yeah, the Kansas game. Marcus Carr, Jabari Rice, and Tyrese Hunter averaged 33 minutes a game uh, in the game. And then they just rotated the others, and Dylan DeSue played 21, and Mitchell 14, and Morris and Bishop you know, 16 and 19. And there's a lot of mix and matching going on. And you know, Ever since that Baylor game where he scored 24 points even in the loss, Dylan DeSue's been playing really confident basketball. With that in mind, let's go back to Jeff Howe. He's leaving the Moody Center where the Longhorns been announced as the two-seed in the Midwest bracket. Pick that up, Jeff, talking about you were talking about Arturio Morris and his uh, improvement, and then Dylan DeSue is the most outstanding player. I mean, it just gives the Longhorns a lot of depth to have that those guys stepping up at the right time. Yeah, going back to Terry real quick, I, I remember talking to Rodney Terry before the season started and talking about, you know, the, the newcomers, and, and I think you could throw Tyrese Hunter in here, too. It, when you look at what they needed to add out of the portal, and then throw Rice in there as well. When you look at what they needed to add into the portal and what they needed to add in recruiting to improve the team from last year, they needed to get longer. 
They needed to get more athletic. And the athleticism with those four guys on this team, it's leaps and bounds ahead of where you were last year. Uh, you know, with the Sioux, I agree with Zay. You know, it's not a true pick and pop, but it's not a true pick and roll. It's kind of like a pick and half roll they're doing right now. I don't know what you call it, but that that is a really tough shot to make what he's making. And I think the fact that you can play him and Bishop together and that lineup worked in Kansas City, that to me is really encouraging, especially because there, there's just times where this team is going to face a really good offensive rebounding team or a really good rebounding team, period, where they're just going to have deficiencies. But the more you can play those two together and have it be an efficient lineup, the more you can mask some of that. Uh, and I think it's really weird to see, you know, we've seen guys, there were a lot of shots falling short for, for both teams yesterday. You may have saw some tired legs, but it's weird with Dylan to see because it seems like when everybody's trying to find that second year, find that reserve in their tank, it seems like Dylan DeSue's legs are getting stronger, like he's getting his legs back. Yeah. And he's more of that running jump guy that, that we thought he was going to be. I don't know. It's just really weird the way it's worked out, but he's kind of starting to peak when everybody's really trying to find that that second win right now. Yeah, 21 minutes, 18 points, and six boards, and uh, had a steal, and you know, just playing great basketball. And, you know, uh, pick up on the guard play because guards win in March, and uh, those three guards, I mean, obviously Marcus Carr, Played 38 minutes and had 17. He got a shooting touch back a little bit. And when they were spreading the floor, uh, those guys were attacking the rim and uh, going to the foul line, which you'd like to see, knocking down shots. This is this is uh, the kind of team that's built to win this time of year, Jeff. Well, you, you look at the look at the last three NCAA tournament games Texas played. Right, going to the Abilene Christian game. And even going into that game, that was a team that could turn you over a lot, and we knew Texas could struggle having high turnover games. And it turns out Matt Coleman played maybe his worst game of the year in that loss. The Virginia Tech win last year, you've got really good games out of Marcus Carr. You've got a really good game out of Andrew Jones. You go to the Purdue game, and I caught, you know, you guys kind of talked about that, you know, while I was on hold the first time. Uh, it's not that Texas guards played bad. It's just that you played maybe the most complete guard in the field of 64 last year who made clutch shots when he had to. You're 100% right, and it's been different guys. You know, it's been Carr. It's been Rice. Uh, we've seen Tyrese Hunter do it at times. We just talked about Arturia Morris. No question Texas has the guard depth to be really good in March. I just go back to, uh, you know, can we play this together in spurts and can it be effective and then throw in whatever you get from Timmy Allen and Brock Cunningham. Uh, this, this team, I don't want to get too far over my skis, and maybe I should based on what we've seen, the, the body of work that seems put together, but this is a team that depending on how the matchups so that's what it is. It's all about matchups. They, they've got the tools. They've got what it takes to get to Houston. And once you get to that point, you, you're giving yourself a chance, and then it, it just comes down to, you know, needing one or two things to go your way over 40 minutes. Jeff, you know, this Timmy Allen situation is really interesting for this coaching staff going up against Colgate because these last three games that he's missed, you could see the offense just thriving in different ways that you might not be used to seeing with him on the floor. Now, we know Timmy Allen's a really good player. He does a lot of really th- really good things well, but there's just certain lineups that, you know, maybe don't work as well. Maybe, you know, with him starting with Dylan Mitchell at times, that could shrink the whole offensive side, and now when you saw that three-guard lineup, you know, it's so much more space for people like Dylan DeSue and Christian Bishop to operate. How do you think Coach Terry and his coaching staff go about putting Timmy Allen back in the lineup, or even if they don't, maybe bring him off the bench? Well, I, I do know RT said, you know, during the availability that they're expecting Timmy Allen to be good. 
So they're expecting to have him on Thursday, full go, no restrictions. Uh, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, uh, he doesn't bog down the offense at all. It's just when he's on the floor, he's such a good facilitator. He's been, he and Marcus Carr have back on back and forth between being your leader in the fifth rate this year uh, because he's such a good passer. He's such a good ball handler. But the offense does have to go through him at times. It can go through him at times. Uh, I think just when you've got the three guards, Zay, you can get out and run a little bit more. You can play in transition. There isn't the need. Uh, sometimes you don't even need to get in a half-court set to score. So I think that's the bigger thing is you can get out and run a little bit more when you've got those three guards on the floor. My gut tells me I think Timmy Allen starts, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if you saw those three guards wind up playing more minutes than he does on Thursday. Jeff Howe, Horns 24-7, of course, and light, light the tower every day, 10 to noon here on the Horn, uh, also on the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Last thing, just my sense, you know, being at the Kansas game last Saturday and then watching this team, uh, boy, the body language, because you never, you didn't know where this team was going to go coming off the back-to-back losses to Baylor and TCU where they got hammered on the boards in Fort Worth, and they just didn't look like they were, you know, playing their best basketball, looked like tired even. Boy, what a, what a switch that they've hit, and they outplayed Kansas badly in two games, won four games in a row. It just feels like they're they're playing with a lot of confidence that that they feel like okay, we're we're better than Kansas, we're better than anybody in the country if we're playing our basketball. That's got to be you know, exactly where Rodney Terry wants to be headed into Thursday against Colgate. Yeah, and I think too to piggyback on that, uh, you know, the, the guys that came back that were with this team last year, you know, Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, uh, you know, Christian Bishop, they they know how close they were. To, to beating Kansas last year. And they're like, look, we, we took the, the national champions to overtime in their house. Uh, they were, you know, in it in the last, you know, 90 seconds against Purdue, a team that was They understand how good they are, but very much process-oriented at this cliche and coach speak, but this is a team that's bought into everything Rodney Terry has said, uh, and, and that wasn't just for show last night, the way they rallied around RT. There's a genuine level of respect, because RT's so heavily involved in the recruiting process. Just about all these guys are at Texas because of him, so I, I think they've got the right mix. Uh, they've got the right guy leading it. Again, it's just, can you avoid the scoring loans? Can you continue to play really good defense? If you can do those two things, uh, they're going to be a very tough out, and uh, if they can get through the first weekend, get to Kansas City, give themselves a chance. I, I, I like them as good as anybody to get to Houston out of that bracket. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. And uh, the live coverage down there at the Moody Center heading back, and I know you're going to be heading to Des Moines this week and uh, booking flights and all that. Thanks for the time on a Sunday. Yep. See you, boys. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, there you go. Jeff Howe. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, process-oriented. You know that as a coach's son and a coach, Zay. Uh, Patrick, you've seen it, as we said, with the front row seat to all these home games there. They've bought into the idea, and that comes with being a veteran team. When your average age is 22 and a half or 23 years old on your team, and then you got these young guys and Arterio Morris and Dylan Mitchell kind of kicking in, Tyrese Hunter, uh, there's you, 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 you buy the cliches because the cliches matter. Uh, the process matters to winning basketball games at a high level. Yeah, the, I mean, winning the Big 12 tournament championship was good last night, but that's not the goal 
that this team wants to accomplish. They want to get to Houston, and they want to give themselves a chance to win a national championship. And I love what Brock Cunningham said last night about the team. He's been a part of a squad that won the Big 12 tournament and ended up losing in the first round to Abilene Christian. So stay even kill. Understand that there's a bigger goal at hand. And yeah, just like what you said, when you have a veteran squad like this Horns team does, it's easier to do it. Yeah, I mean, this is where for Texas, the veteran play right now for me is being able to have this many guys that understand the situation, understand this is my last shot. So there is this mentality going into the game like, hey, man, we have to take advantage of every chance because we've all lost in this tournament now. All of us have been knocked out. We know that feeling. So we need to focus. And it is Colgate. But look, we're going to go watch film. And and Texas has a really good film department, too that is able to put together highlights on a team that is going to make Texas scared when they just show them sinking as many threes as they hit at Colgate. So they'll put that reel together and be like, look, you're going to have to be on it of covering out and not letting them. I mean, I can tell you right now, Colgate's going to try and get corner threes because Texas has been having problems covering corner threes the entire season. Uh, We've seen a lot of teams try and target Texas with that. Colgate is a three-point shooting team. will do that. But if you're in Texas, you know that's coming. Rodney will have a good – game plan ready to go for Texas. Yeah, already looking ahead to Colgate, their best player, Tucker Richardson, who was Patriot League Player of the Year, he had a triple-double in the Patriot League Tournament Championship against Lafayette. 14 points, 11 assists, and 12 rebounds, and he's basically broken records in the Patriot League, so everything runs through him. Uh, Keegan Records, he's their big man I could do a little bit of everything, step out and hit that outside shot too, so yeah, Patrick, they got to really lock up up. It seems like Colgate's going to be that five-out team that wants to spread you out and use their dribble penetration, which leads to those kick-out threes. So Coach Terry and his coaching staff, they have to do a really good job of enforcing you know, hard closeouts and making those Colgate guards put the ball on the deck because they're not the most athletic squad. And Tucker Richardson, coach's nightmare, can shoot 45% from the field, 35% from three, 51% from the free throw line. <laughs> oh, Come on, man. man. some free throws. 51% from the stripe? Come How on, man. Happen. Let's see if we can back up behind the three-point line and shoot his free throws. What's going on here <laughs> with this guy? Uh, but, yeah, that'll be the conversation of the week. And, obviously, the Aggies are headed to Des Moines as well. They're going to play Penn State uh, in the 7-10 matchup in that bracket, and the Mooners will meet. So it very well could be Texas and Texas A&M on Saturday uh, in the big dance, which uh, you know I, I've said it several times, Zay, but it's like Christmas Eve. Because I know oh, for yeah. you, man, this is this is like Christmas Eve and the presents are all under the tree. Now we get to see all the presents under the tree. You gotta guess what box is what and what might be in there and now you got these matchups. Are you feeling uh are you feeling feeling the bracket right now and you start ready to fill them out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. I, my bracket's already messed up with these matchups. You know, every <laughs> every game seems tough and brutal. I'm looking at Boise State Northwestern, like at 7-10. Northwestern, they have some pretty big wins this year beating Purdue, but Boise State, they're a tough team coming out of that Mountain West who has a pretty good squad with San Diego State and Utah State, both there also. So, yeah, there's just so many different matchups. I can't wait to nitpick and figure out where I want to go. Who knows how many brackets I make this year? I'll probably just make one. That's, that seems right, right? When people make too many, that doesn't seem as official or Yeah, you fill out 10 brackets, you're a joke. Yeah, I can't, I can't keep <laughs> up with all that. When I'm at the bar, I can't keep up with 10 brackets, so I got to get you down to be one. able. It's like people are playing like six fantasy football leagues. Like, what are you talking about? You're rooting against yourself at this point. Gotta... I, need, I need him to score a touchdown, but only for two yards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, come on, man. Pick one. 
Leave it. Uh, Patrick, are you a gut bracket filler outer? Are you a, a over analytical filler outer? Or are you just uh, a homer? So I, I'm always a homer, but I, I, <laughs> I go with my gut for the most part and then double down and check everything to make sure I'm not doing anything silly. Because sometimes you'll go on gut and then you'll, re- you'll find out a guy's hurt that you didn't realize got hurt in the tournament that you missed or something like that. So I always go back and check and make sure there's not any, you know, anything that's blatantly out there. But yeah, like there's matchups like West Virginia is one of those teams when you're picking in the tournament that we've seen West Virginia be really not that great at times and then play some really decent basketball. Uh, and the Big 12, the hard part of picking any of these teams is playing on the road in the Big 12 is so rough this year that you can't really take away splits the way you normally would because basically everyone was not that great on the away, even though these teams are good. Well, there's a lot of subplots to it, and uh, you can start filling out your brackets. We're going to have our bracket contest up at hornfm.com. You can pick against Patrick and Zay and myself, Bucky. Uh, we'll make our picks as well, and we'll have a lot of fun with that. We're also going to be live out at Twin Peaks for uh, Get Out of Work Thursday and Friday coming up this week. We'll have details on that for our live broadcast. Uh, also looking to put together some potentially watch parties if the Longhorns can make it out of the first round, which they should, playing Colgate. But as you guys just said accurately, don't overlook anybody in this tournament. It's uh, parity at its best. But if they can get out of it, we're going to be putting together some watch parties uh, to be able to watch the game. There's also going to be some extended coverage here on the Horn, uh, extra pregame ahead of the network pregame and postgame, because this is a team that feels like it can uh, can make a run, and we'll follow it as long as it does. Also, the Texas women tonight are going to find out their fate. They're going to be at 7 o'clock. As we wrap up, they're going to start announcing the uh, Texas women's draw. They lost today in the Big 12 women's tournament to Iowa State in the championship game, but uh, safe to say, guys, that uh, the women brought Vic Schaefer's team after winning the regular season Big 12 ta- crown, being the one seed, but losing today to the uh, to the third seed, the Cyclones, they'll be one of the top 16, which means they'll host the first weekend uh, at Moody Center. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that seems right. This team's dealt with so many injuries over the season, and Coach Schaefer's done a heck of a job winning the Big 12's regular season title, but they lost by 10 to Iowa State, a solid Iowa State team. And, yeah, you know, Rory Harmon, they go as far as she goes. She kind of struggled today with her shooting only six points, but if she could get going, she's a triple-double th- uh, triple threat every single night. I love Shailene Gonzalez and what she could do with the basketball. She also had a tough night uh, against Iowa State with only 12 points. But if those two guards can get going, then Vic Schaefer's squad, they can really make some noise. Uh, well, and uh, obviously disappointed, and it would have been what a weekend it would have been. It's for the first time since 04 that both the men and the women played in the Big 12 tournament championship games. Men won it, women lost to Iowa State by 10 points. But uh, uh, the overview, again, let's run through it real quick. Texas is the two seed in the Midwest region where Houston, the Cougars, we had a good debate about uh, maybe Texas with their quad one wins, which is double the Cougars, and uh, the back-to-back blowout wins over Kansas maybe pushes them up to the one line. Uh, not going to happen. You, Houston is the one seed. They're going to play uh, the 16 seed. And I can't even – oh, McNeese State, is that what that is? Who are they playing in round one? I can't – they got their logo, and I can't – my eyes are so bad. Uh, or at least You're looking at Houston? Yeah, who are they playing? Northern Kentucky. Northern – is that what that says? <laughs> yeah, Northern Kentucky. What kind Kentucky. of logo is that? <laughs> Good gosh, Houston. They're playing Northern Kentucky. Uh, Texas will play Colgate. Uh, Xavier is the three seed in the bracket. The Musketeers will uh, be the three. Indiana, interesting team with Mike Woodson out of the Big Ten. They're the four seed. Uh, Also, Miami is the five. Iowa State out of the Big 12 is the sixth seed in the Midwest. 
they're going to play Iowa State. By the way, the Cyclones will play the winner of the play-in game between – oh, first-round game, sorry – with Mississippi State and Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, let's say it again, shouldn't be in this tournament, uh, but they are. They're going to play Mississippi State and have to earn their way in. Uh, Texas A&M will play Penn State. And then uh, it's going to be uh, Auburn against uh, – was that Iowa? Uh, in the Midwest region, that's a logo, and I don't, I'm don't. i assuming that's the Hawkeyes. But that's your Midwest region is set. The other number one seeds are Kansas, Purdue, and uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And it, it, you've had a, a, about an hour now, Zay, to absorb the brackets. Are you still on board that Bama's got the toughest run, or you think it's Kansas in the West? I think it's Kansas in the West. Yeah, then I think it's Purdue in the South. Right? Yeah, Purdue, Memphis, and Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic's lost three games all year. They're a really good team, that Penny Hardaway squad. That's a flip them game. If you pick Memphis, cool. If you pick Florida Atlantic, cool. Really? I have no idea who's going to win that one. We see what Duke's doing, the fact that they're a number five seed, Ooh. and now everybody's healthy on their team. Marquette, we just talked about Shaka Smart's team, and their two uh, uh, backcourt players, and Kolek and Jones. They could really go, and then you got to deal with the coaches of Calipari, and then Tom Izzo, Jerome Tang's team, Marquise Noel, Keate Jones. Johnson as good as one-two punch in the nation. We've seen that this year in the Big 12. So, yeah, I think the South region is brutal. And Purdue, who Zach Eady might be player of the year, they got their work cut out for them, that's for sure. Yeah, he or Brandon Miller at Alabama uh, to be player of the year in college basketball. And Alabama is the one seed. Patrick, what have you seen that uh, jumps out to you in these brackets? I, I'll just say this. If you, if you consider the one, two, one and two seeds are the top eight teams in the country, I think if you're Texas, you got to be pretty happy to be where you are among the top eight teams in the country in the bracket you're in. You got, I mean, they're all going to be tough. There's no gimmies, but to be in there with Xavier, Indiana, Houston, Miami, Iowa State, even the Aggies, Aggies might be the scariest team of the top seven. You feel pretty good about where they are. Yeah, I feel pretty good about where Texas. I, it is. It's the Aggies, but again, as Jeff Howell said, that's not even a gimme that you're playing the Aggies. So oh, you you could be playing Penn State. You don't know what's going to happen in that first game. It is the tournament. But there isn't anyone that you feel is a killer in that in that bracket. So there's everyone you feel Texas doesn't have a oh man, this matchup's really gonna is kill. Is anybody us. in the bracket as good as Kansas? Right? I mean that's kind of the con Texas beating Kansas on back to back Saturdays by double digits. Yeah. Is anybody is Houston as good as Kansas? I don't this is where I think if you're a Texas fan or at least the I mean the players have to take it process oriented game by game, play by play, but at least for a fan, you're like, Well, they beat Kansas twice. They beat Baylor, they beat Gonzaga. I don't know if there's anybody in that bracket that's as good as Kansas. Yeah, I know Marcus Sasser, he'll probably be good to play, but dealing with a groin injury for Ooh. your best player, that's just something to look at. Especially if quick you're, twitch you know, like that, man, you can, re, you can re-injure that quickly. Oh, quickly, yeah. Moving laterally, if yep. somebody tries to do a quick crossover and you're trying to get back on that, yeah, it, it could flame up. But you know who... I'm a little worried about fellas in that uh, bracket. Indiana. I've watched them a couple of times this year. I've watched them beat Purdue twice. Somebody Texas is about Jackson that, yeah. Davis is solid. He's an NBA type player, averaging 21 and 11 as a big. And then they got Hood Shafino, the freshman, who's around 6'6. He's one of the best freshmen in the country. Could really shoot it and do a lot of things off the dribble. Other than those two guys, they don't have much. If those two guys aren't clicking, then Indiana could really struggle. But if those two guys are clicking, they could easily get to Houston just because they are really dynamic when they're playing well. So just looking at Texas's bracket, maybe if they play at Indiana, I think that would be a tough matchup for the Hornets. Yeah, I, 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 the good part is they're on the other side of the bracket. So you're playing in Indiana or a Houston, you're not going to have to play both of them in Correct. this in this lineup. So 
that's a good part. Is I think once you get to that, once you're in the elite eight, you're, you know you're going to play a good team. Right. You're, you're, I don't think anybody's going to be in the elite eight that you're just going to be a, a walkthrough. So if you can get that far as Texas, good. It's going to be hard anyway. I do want to say I do have on my wish list. I would like Kansas State and Purdue to make it to the elite eight, so we can see Marquise Noel. And Zach Eady next week. <laughs> be like, Just want to see that. Be like the Aaron Judge Jose Altuve meeting at second base in yeah. baseball. You know no, what I'm it's, saying? It's yeah. Muggsy Bogues, Sean Kim. We make it work. Yeah, you remember yeah. that Muggsy Bogues poster with Manuk Bowl and they're <laughs> holding the three balls yeah. together? Maybe they should make those guys do that before the game. That'd be terrific. Well, I'm looking at Texas A&M, who Longhorns have to get through Colgate, and you guys just ran down there. What a challenge that'll be in the 15-2 matchup. Texas A&M was six and five at one point in mid-December, and they're yeah. 19 and four. Since that moment, nineteen and four, and uh, you know that their record's twenty five and nine. Texas is twenty five and eight, and they played in the SEC championship game. They have more wins than Texas, so that I just you know as far as gripes go, <laughs> I think A and M being way down there at seven. I know they like the made for TV stuff, and and I get it in CBS and T- TNT and all that, but man, Texas had, you know the seven. I still am pretty pretty befuddled that uh, Kentucky is a higher seeded team than Texas A and M. That doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, this is not to carry the mail for the Aggies, but I think they got pretty hosed. And if it was if it was for TV, that's cool. And you know we'll hype it up here on the horn. It'll be a big time watch event. But at the same time, I so you're telling me Texas A and M. So if they're a seven seed, they're the thirtieth ranked team in the country. Yeah, like twenty eighth ranked team. Are you kidding me? Like what are you talking about? I mean, yeah. if we're going snake draft or snake seeding. Hey, they're down there outside the top 25. Is that for real with Buzz Williams? I mean, that is insulting, and it puts Texas in a spot where they're going to have to play a team that I think should be a four or five seed in round two. Uh, but again, the rest of the bracket favorable for the Longhorns, but it's March Madness. That's why you know the term madness is so important. You never know how this thing will play out, and that's what we're so excited about as we get the two play-in or the four play-in games this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then the tournament will begin on Thursday with full games, and we'll be live at Twin Peaks. Uh, Patrick, you know this better than me. Do you know where our broadcast locations will be on Thursday and Friday for our uh, shows at Twin Peaks? I do not know yet. I don't think we've. I don't know if we have set them in stone yet because we're still figuring out where Texas is going to be uh, as far as time as well. Right. They, uh, uh, game time schedule will affect yes. our impact our, to do live shows. Yes. Uh, so yes, we will be. Uh, you'll be tuned in this week to all the shows to figure out where we'll be. Obviously, there's only two locations locally: uh, Round Rock and South Austin off Stastny. Time has been announced. Six twenty-five. Oh 6:25 man, PM is the Texas game on Thursday. There we go. Six twenty-five, right in the heart of uh, early prime, and the Longhorns will play Colgate. So. Early fourteen-point favorites. Hey Texas, now. just two touchdowns. Just two touchdowns. <laughs> Uh, can we hear Brock Cunningham one more time? Let's play this again because Brock Cunningham laid it out there pretty clearly. He was on the team that won the Big 12 tournament a couple years ago with Shaka Smart and then turned around and on a Friday night lost the late game to Abilene Christian. What a crusher that was. One of the bigger upsets in the, the state of Texas sports history. Here was uh, Brock Cunningham saying, let's not let that repeat itself. You know, you only take this win for one night. I've been a part of a team that won this tournament and then was on the receiving end of a terrible upset that first game. So we'll have this game for tonight, and then we'll get back to work on Monday after Selection Show Sunday. Maturity you know, maturity is the one word that really jumps out for this team. And you heard Jeff Howe say it, Zay, that this offseason they wanted to get more athletic. 
more more length, which I think they've done with Jabari Rice and Tyrese Hunter as an athletic player. Obviously, Arturo Morris and Dylan Mitchell, the freshman, coming in. They're more athletic, and they can up and down the floor play above the rim a little more. But, boy, the maturity, you know, your, your dad was a coach for four decades. I mean, it's, when you've got an older team that you don't have to, you know, hold their hand through everything, that, that really helps the coaching staff. Absolutely, because guys hold each other accountable. Guys, you know, when instead of Coach Terry jumping guys' bones, maybe you see Serge Jabari Rice, he'll bring Dylan DeSue or Dylan Mitchell, Arterio Morris, you'll see some of those guys be pulled to the side, and they'll let them know. Be like, hey, you weren't here on that rotation. you got to be there. Or if there is a certain switch, you got to talk to me. Just different things throughout the game in different situations and having this veteran leadership that this Horns team has, it's been beneficial all year long and yeah you just gotta show coach Terry and his coaching staff love for what he's been able to do since the Chris Beard departure I mean it's been absolutely incredible and now you got the two seed going against Colgate in a really favorable region hey sky's the limit you can make some serious noise and get to where you want to go if you continue to play this confident basketball that they're playing and this Horns team they have a certain cockiness and arrogance that you have to have to be a national champion. You know, sometimes you see blocked shots and you see them, you know, I've seen Timmy Allen get into it with Jalen Wilson and you saw Serge Jabari Rice kind of get in the face of an Oklahoma player after a blocked shot and they don't back down and you need that type of confidence if you want to move on to each round and this team's got it. Yeah, and I can tell you, being courtside, it, the older guys on this team, if a Tyrese Hunter or a Dylan Mitchell or a Tyrion Morris was in the wrong spot defensively, they didn't make the right move offensively, they, it, they didn't have to wait to get back to the bench before they heard it. Yeah. I, you, that happened every single game. If you saw a lapse in something, those players were getting on them. Be like, hey, man, you need to move. You're not in the right spot. Hey, the reason we just turned the ball over is because you're over here. And they got though they got it. So that veteran leadership has been going all season. Yo, and they Dylan Mitchell and Tyrese Hunter, Ontario Morris, they embraced that. Yeah, like you remember that time Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey were barking at each other and bitching at each other and yeah. complaining. We haven't seen none of that. No, yeah. we haven't seen none of that no, this year. And that's the thing, Texas. It's it's a team. They're going to get on you. They're going to be hard. They're also the first one to come pick you up when you're on the ground. When you hit a shot, they're looking at each other, pointing fingers. Like they they're they're a team team. Yo, uh, Serge Barry Rice, when he put his hands on his hips after he threw that lob, and he was looking at Arterio Morris, he looked like a pa- proud big brother. Yeah, well, maybe that's what I, when I was talking about being at the Kansas game and watching this team coming off the disappointing losses. It was like, there's just some swag to this team. Yeah. There's some swag to them. They're like, oh, they're playing above Kansas. They're, they're, they're up in Grady Dick's, you know what, and they're playing him tough, and they're just – there's just a confidence to them that you really like. Obviously, that can all come crashing if you don't bring your game for 40 minutes starting Thursday, but they're playing with some swagger. And so when you bring confidence, experience, and depth, and a team that's playing with with that kind of swag, uh, they certainly can make some hay here. And uh, as we know, Coach Coach Collier, you treat this as uh, three different two-day tournaments, right? Right. Or three-day tournaments. You don't worry about next weekend. You focus on game one into game two. You know, that could be the Aggies. So you got to do great scouting on ten, on Texas A&M and Penn State. Ready for that game. But, um, you know, you, you, you survive in advance play two games over three days, and then get ready for the next weekend if you can survive it. Yeah, and what we saw these last three days being Oklahoma State, TCU, and then Kansas to win the Big 12 Tournament Championship, this coaching staff, they do a really good job of scouting and making the game plan 
for each game. So now when you have a day in between, it's going to get even better to what Patrick was saying, like they show in the film at halftime, stuff like that. This coaching staff with all the veteran leadership that they have and all the experience that they have, multiple head coaches like Ogden and McLean and you know Donald Wong, those guys, it, you, it shows. It shows, and then it goes to the players, and yeah, they're, they're going to be prepared. That's one thing about this coaching staff. They're going to be prepared, and you got to love that. Yeah, and with all the even with Chris Beard dismissed, there's 45 years of head coaching experience on that bench. <laughs> head coaching experience. I mean, that's that's uh, crazy experience on that end too. So there'll be no panic. Uh, but uh, you know, again, I, I just they're, they're, in my mind all year long, Patrick, because you've been courtside for these games and you have been the last several years. Adding the athleticism and to have three guards who started games at the point on winning teams in the tournament one year ago. And this is where the transfer portal changes basketball. Uh, but to have Jabari Rice and Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr, who can get you a bucket in a key spot, uh, March is about guards. And they have really good guard play right now. Uh, Marcus Carr picks up where he left off in the Kansas game and gets back his shooting stroke here between now and Thursday. Jabari Rice has been a rock all year. Tyrese Hunter's played his best basketball of late. This is one of those teams that's kind of built to win this time of year. No, and it's it's funny because, you know, it, a lot of it, too, is about who gets hot at the right time and who's playing well. And Texas looked like they were trending the wrong direction near the yep. end of the season. And, I mean, I know all of us were worried about it. And, man, those last couple games and that win against Kansas sparked something in them. And I don't know what they said in the locker room, that come-to-Jesus meeting they had to have. But they have looked like a different team the last two weeks. And if they can keep that momentum going and just not have one of those droughts where they start to get down on themselves and start down themselves again and just remember to keep picking themselves back up, the potential is very high for this team of what we saw they could do this weekend. Two out of the three guards always have to play well. Yeah. Either Hunter or Carr or Hunter or Rice or Rice and, and Hunter. Like two of the three guards have to play well if Texas wants to get where they need to go and then sprinkle a little bit of uh, um, Arterial Morris in there also. Then, then you really got and if something. We get, if we get Dylan DeSue that we saw this weekend. Oh, man. Most outstanding player. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what you. I mean, uh, trending in a good direction, and to get out of the Big Twelve for all these Big Twelve schools will be a great thing. The lack of familiarity and scouting changes, and um, you mentioned the shot fake for Jabari Rice. They'll know about it, but they won't know about it the way uh, the Big Twelve teams do for sure. And uh, looking forward to seeing where all these teams go out of the Big Twelve. And remember, the last two national champions have been from the Big Twelve with Kansas and Baylor, and of course, Chris Beard had Texas Tech in the national championship game against Virginia the year before COVID. So, you know, in the last three national championship games, the Big 12 has had a team playing for it. Twice they won it. Uh, that obviously could uh, could come. And to your point, Zay, if you have two of the three guards playing well, you're good. If you get back to that Baylor team of 2020 and you've got three guards that are all playing really well, uh, you can smoke everybody, right? Oh, they had Adam Flagler coming off the bench on yes. that national championship team. So they had four really high-level guards that go along with Jared Butler, Damian Mitchell, and Macy Oteague. But, yeah, you know, with this Texas team, the confidence that you have to have, knowing that you beat everybody in the Big 12 at least once, you beat TCU uh, uh, twice and you beat Kansas twice, that's huge for their momentum. And Chad and I, we talked about it on CNZ on Friday, 
since 1994, 13 teams that have won the national championship have also won their conference tournament. So you think about legs and stuff, which that could be an issue, especially playing in the gauntlet that the Big 12 is. But also, you just mentioned both teams from the Big 12 these past uh, two seasons won national championships. It could be done. And the fact that they're so battle-tested, I think that's going to help them more than you know the fatigue is going to bite them. All right, that's Isaiah Collier. You hear him every day from noon to 3 on Chad and Zay through the midday. Of course, Patrick Davis is the uh, the idealionaire on the tremendous show Ball Don't Lie every afternoon with Rod and Harge. He'll be back there tomorrow, also sitting courtside with Craig and the crew, producing home games for the Longhorns and getting after it. I'll be here tomorrow morning uh, with Mr. Godbolt, and we will fire up B&E at 6 a.m., and we'll start filling out brackets. Of course, Bucky will say there'll be no upsets, I'm sure. <laughs> And he'll be the doctor of bracketology as usual. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. But in addition to the March Madness, we've got uh, the Longhorn baseball team finishing off a sweep of Manhattan to talk about tomorrow. We've got uh, Scotty Scheffler walking the park win. What a blowout he had at the Players' Championship. By the way, you know for Scotty Scheffler, that is the PGA Tour's largest purse. Our man Scotty took home $4.5 bucks. Wow. Uh, four and a half mil for his Players' Championship win at Sawgrass. Uh, he is back to number one in the world. And yes, tomorrow at noon, tomorrow at noon, right when your show starts, Zay, is when free agency begins in the NFL. The, uh, the league year doesn't start until Wednesday, but the legal tampering period, when most of the deals will get done, begins tomorrow at noon. Looks like Jalen Ramsey has already been traded from the Rams to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Washington Commanders got a big deal done with their defensive lineman, Darren Payne. So that begins in earnest and. Uh, See if the Cowboys can keep some of their top free agents, and uh, that all begins at noon. So it's going to be one of those weeks as we fill out brackets and find the upsets. You already have a first-round upset, Zay, that you're already peeking at? Oh! Come on, man. 12-5, 13-4. Who's up in there? Not yet. I Not don't want to show my hand too early. All right. I got to listen to the show this take week. Take your time. Patrick, anything <laughs> jumping out to Not you? Not yet. Not yet. But I, I'll get there. I'll be there by tomorrow, 3 o'clock. I'll have one for you. <laughs> it is odd to look at this thing and see that uh, North Carolina, preseason number one team, in the championship game a year ago and lost to Kansas, not in this field. Yo, I just saw Dick Vitale has Texas in this championship game, losing to Alabama. Dickie V, baby! Hey, Dickie V called them beating Kansas twice in two weeks. He's feeling it right now. <laughs> he is feeling it. Yeah, well, he's been courtside for these wins, and I think he maybe sees what we see. A lot of swag, a lot of confidence. Dylan DeSue playing some great hoop. Guard plays at a high level. So, yeah, lots of like. And as we said, if you're just tuning in and as we wrap up, if Texas can beat Colgate, 6-10 is the tip time. 6-10? 6-25. 6-25. Tip time on Thursday. They can win that game. The 2-15 matchup, they will likely or potentially play Texas A&M, who will play Penn State in the uh, 7-10 matchup in Des Moines, Iowa. Just heard Jeff Howe trying to get a flight to Des Moines. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. I'm sure Longhorn fans are going through that right now because they'd like to be up there for that weekend. Uh now, where else would you rather be in mid-March than Des Moines, Iowa? <laughs> guys, where else would you rather be than right here, right now, here on the Horn? Appreciate you guys for the live coverage on a Sunday, taking some time out to uh, entertain our audience and uh, get people in the know. Texas is the two-seed in the Midwest. Houston is the one. And the Longhorns begin play on Thursday. There are seven Big 12 teams who made it. Oklahoma State probably should have, but they did not. And somehow Pittsburgh is in. Hmm, don't get it. Zay, great stuff, man. Thank you, fellas. Patrick, fun. Patrick, thanks for uh, driving and doing a hell of a job through there. Appreciate you. And, uh, hey, we go back at it tomorrow, uh, Monday morning, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. with Buck and myself. The live and local and digital coverage will pick back up all day, every day, 
on 104.9, 101.9, AM 1260. And you know we're always streaming for you. Take us wherever you go on the Horn app, always on your smart speaker, and always at hornfm.com.